With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Welcome back to the Rock Shock Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Annie Mitz. I'm joined tonight by Mike Plank. How are you doing tonight, Mike? Well, I'm doing all right, Andy. Hanging in there. Life's going. And, uh, well, you know, things are just trucking along, aren't they? Uh, yeah, they sure are. All right. Well, obviously, the uh, the biggest topic of discussion for us tonight would be the West Virginia game that we had over the weekend. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, you know, I will have to say I completely missed probably what would be the, uh, you know, the best half of football this team has played this year. Um, I actually had to go to my daughter's softball game, so I, I haven't had a chance to go back and watch the second half of that West Virginia game. But I know you were at the game. What, what were your kind of overall thoughts about the game? Um, I mean, was it, was it bad in the first half? And, like, did it completely turn around the second half? Or, or just what was the overall atmosphere like? So it was twenty-eight to three at one point. If that answers your question, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, it was, and it was thirty-five to thirteen. And so you know the the folks around you know because I kind of talk to the people that sit around me or whatever. And you know we you know we complain about Gil and wife and you know and the bender and you know just the whole just everything right you know we just basically sit up there and complain but uh and it's different people every week so i sit in a different section every week um but uh so it's fun talking to people like that and you know you just kind of hanging out and and uh so yeah the uh man that first half was was brutal um uh, the attendance was not good, as we saw with our with our grill giveaway there, and uh, and uh, it was just, I mean, I don't know, man. Yeah, people are definitely frustrated. They're frustrated with uh, 
Uh, they're frustrated with the coach, obviously. They're frustrated with, uh, I wouldn't say the, the play calling so much as maybe the personnel. Like, there's a lot of people who want to see the backup quarterback. They don't care if it's Stanley or Starks. And, you know, they just they want to see something different because they, you know, and I can't blame them. You know, I, I'm on personally on hashtag Team Carter, too. Like, I, you know, I saw I, you know, I had some some pregame sideline passes again, courtesy of uh, the KU ticket office. And, and, uh, you know, so I had it up, up close and, you know, I was 10 feet away from him and he, you know, I'm not a football coach or, a you know, injury expert or anything like that, but I mean, he looks fine to me. He looks fine to me for the season opener. So I, is he really hurt? Um, some people say he is. Those people probably know better than I do. I, you know, I don't know. But, uh, I, I mean, I'm definitely all in for trying something different. I don't think Bender's the guy. I haven't thought that since week one. Uh, I'm not buying the hype. Uh, I mean, he, he can do some nice things, uh, as we saw with uh, just a, you know, I think it was in the third quarter, just a beautiful throw to Steven Sims down the sideline. But, I mean, everything he can do, Carter Stanley can do, except for maybe that one thing. So, you know, I, I'm all about trying a different quarterback, trying something else. But, you know, as a lot of people have pointed out, the offense isn't necessarily the problem on this football team. You know, uh, the defense gave up 35 first-half points. And you're not going to win very many games when you give up 35 first-half points. Yeah, granted, 30, or seven of those points was on a pick six. So, I mean, I guess right. I guess right. Not, not all of that's on the defense, but still, I mean – that's true. I, I think I would have to say that we want – or they're not happy with the play calling on defense because our guys are just looking out of position. They're looking – they're just not looking good at all in the defense. But, yeah, the offensive play calling, I mean, I don't know – I don't know what else the offense could do in, in terms of play calling. Um, there's, there's obviously a lot of issues with execution. The offensive line particularly is still very, very troubling. Um, Although but apparently they they're great run blockers, apparently they're great run blockers. Well, and and most of the frustration, at least against West Virginia, came from you know they'd have three or four successful running plays, and then they throw a couple of passes and punt because guess what, the passes fell incomplete. And so a lot of the frustration, at least on Saturday for this one particular game, came because they got away from what they were doing successfully. Right, and and now I've seen or I should say everything that I've kind of seen along that is that our offensive line is good when they're moving. So when the run was being successful, it's because we were pulling guards, we were pulling guys and moving it around. And so getting those guys in motion, they can get the kind of leverage that they need and, and the pushes just enough to open up the holes for the running lanes. But right. You try to plan a guy and get him to, to take anybody on or block him they're they're not doing it right. They're you know they're just it's very very poor in terms of pass protection, um, which is why I think we're seeing such a big difference. Is that you know on run plays you get those guys moving, you get them you know you, you get them pulling from one side to the other, opening up holes, and then Herbert can read what's going on there and can make a big play off of it. So it's it's a combination of our line and our running backs that are re- working really well together. But you ask those guys to stand there and and keep a pocket you know, keep the integrity of a pocket there for a quarterback so he can throw the ball, and they just can't seem to do it for, for even, whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, even against a four-man rush, they can't do it. And it right. And so I, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm almost to the point. I mean, I, I like Bender. I think Bender is probably the more athletic of the two uh, in terms of, you know, uh, arm, arm strength and the kind of things that you typically want to see from a quarterback in the air raid. 
But given our offensive line, we need a guy that's mobile. We need a guy that can think on his feet. And Carter Stanley, as much as I don't, you know, think he's a a super successful starting quarterback going forward, he is probably the best in terms of escapability and be able to, you know, make plays on the run of any guy that we have on the roster. So yeah, I I think I'm I'm to the point now where, you know, I'm starting to think we need to make a change. The issue is obviously the the injury situation. I know it probably doesn't look like it when he's doing the warm-ups and things like that. Um, but from what I understand, the, the type of injury he has doesn't necessarily, um, you know, doesn't necessarily restrict his throwing motion or things like that. Um, you know, it may be more of a, you know, he, he doesn't have that, that kind of range of motion um, or that quick step anymore while he's dealing with this injury. There's a lot of concerns surrounding that. And then obviously if, if that really is the case, then you kind of lose whatever advantage you have with him if he can't get out of the pocket and run and do what he needs to do to kind of extend plays and, and find something. So I'm definitely all for Carter Stanley as soon as they actually get him healthy enough to be able to play. Of course, we never really know if that's actually going to be the case um, or if they're just using it as a handy excuse to keep Ender in at this point. Yeah, and I would you should we should point out, I guess, that um, all week leading up to – the game, you know, they, you know, because they kept the coaching staff came, keeps getting questions about, you know, well, Carter Stanley, is he going to play more? And that's, you know, stuff like that. And all week leading up to the game, oh, yeah, we've got some special stuff put in there for Carter. You're going to see more of Carter going forward the rest of the year and all this stuff, right? And he took zero snaps on Saturday. Yeah. So, I mean, I know it's not, <laughs> I know you have to, you know, kind of, read into that as as best you can. You know, coaches aren't going to give away their game plans or anything. But, I mean, it, it was just all rhetoric. Like, why why did they say that? And then he didn't even put a helmet on. Like, it, it makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just keep coming back that there probably is some sort of injury that's not healing quite the way that they were expecting it to. And, you know, obviously he's definitely in the game plan for at some point during the year. It just you know, there was no guarantee it was going to be this this particular week. So, but, uh, so, so yeah, I mean, I actually left at halftime, didn't get a chance to tune back into the game. Um, but all of a sudden they start making a comeback and, you know, I'm, I'm seeing on, on Twitter and everything <laughs> about how great it is. I actually made the comment on Twitter that I guess I'm not allowed to watch the, the football games anymore because <laughs> all of a sudden they're playing great. So, what, I mean, what changed in that third quarter that kind of sparked that comeback from, from, from what you saw? You know, I have been – I haven't rewatched the game or anything. I usually don't do that anyway. But uh, I, I I don't know. That's a great question. I don't know. That something happened, and West, I don't know if it just West Virginia was stopped clicking. Uh, that's what I'm going to assume it was based on what we know about our defense so far this year. But uh, somehow they got into West Virginia's head, and West Virginia started getting frustrated. They started – they started bickering. They started, um, you know, West Virginia had a couple of penalties, that type of thing. And uh, they, they just stopped moving the ball. They stopped completing passes. It was, <laughs> it was the weirdest thing there for about a quarter and a half. Um, you know, West Virginia couldn't do anything offensively. And uh, Kansas just couldn't take advantage of it. Yeah, they scored a couple of touchdowns, uh, you know, to, to pull within eight there in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, but KU kept, you know, they kept getting to about midfield, and then they guess what? They'd throw a couple of passes and they'd have to punt. So, or they'd have a, you know, a false start on third and two, and then third and seven, and then, you know, stuff like that. So, uh, I, 
That's a great question that I honestly don't know the answer to because I, I personally didn't notice anything different that the defense was doing. Uh, maybe they were. I, I, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, something definitely changed there, but uh, uh, KU just couldn't, <laughs> just couldn't take advantage of it despite a, a, a career day from Coyle Herbert. Yeah. Unfortunately, speaking of that career day from, from Herbert there, I mean, have you ever, I mean, we've had some pretty dominant running backs here at Kansas over the, over the few years. I mean, that's pretty much been our, our uh, only bright spot. I think that we've had in the last decade or so, Um, of course, well, not quite a decade, but I'm, I'm basically saying a decade since since Mangina left. Um, (laughs) I mean, how, how would you kind of rank that performance in terms of how impressive it was? Um, I mean, this seemed to come out of nowhere for me. I wouldn't have thought before the game that, you know, anybody on the Kansas, uh, the Kansas off, offensive side of the ball would be able to get rushing yards like that. I mean, were you, have, have you seen any signs of this in prior weeks or anything like that? I mean, I definitely, you could definitely make a case for it came out of nowhere. He did have like what, 150 yards last week against Ohio. But up until this point, you're kind of thinking, Oh mate, that's kind of fluky. You know, he has 150 yards in the air raid and he's never done that before. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, like in the stadium watching the game, like I knew he had a couple of big runs. He had a 55 yarder and a 61 yarder. And, but I, it just, it didn't dawn on me until I got back to the car and heard some of the post game that, Hey, that's the third highest single game rushing total for a KU running back in history. I was like, Oh, well, that's kind of cool. I guess. I mean, he never threatened uh, Tony Sam's record by any means, but uh, you know, he still had 200 and was it 90 some odd yards. I don't even remember now. Um, yeah. He had 291 yards on 30 yeah. carries. Yeah, and and that that's it. That's incredible. And just it, watching the game, it didn't dawn on me that hey, he's he's putting up some yards today. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, you know, seeing them come out of the gate and running the way they did, I was absolutely floored. I mean, the 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 commenters on TV were making similar comments. It's like I was not expecting this at all uh, to see them come out. I think they ran. Uh, like nine straight running plays to open the game or something like that. Like, you know, they were in, well into their second drive. And, and I actually tweeted out at that point as well. It was like, have they even thrown a pass yet? And of course, then right after that, they threw a pass and then ended the drive on. But, <laughs> you know, what I, what I think is encouraging about this is that, um, you know, it, it shows that the hiring of Doug Meacham was not, or kind of had the the sort of effect that we wanted, getting the play calling out of Beatty's hands, you know, competently looking at, at at weaknesses of the other team and evaluating kind of the strengths that we have, um, and the fact that we can kind of game plan a little bit differently than we had before. Last year, I don't think we saw a game plan that differed from one week to another. We literally just kind of did the same thing. If it worked, great. If it didn't, well, then we'll we'll try again next year, next next week. Bubble you know? screen. I'm right. not bubble screen. Exactly. I'm not screen. So, I mean, I think if there's anything encouraging to take out of this game, I think that that's it, is that we have finally have someone who's calling offensive plays that actually knows how to run an offense, knows how to adapt a game plan to an opponent and potentially to, you know, the kind of talent that he has, assuming that they can actually execute. Um, so that gives me a lot of confidence in what Meacham is doing. Unfortunately, 
I just there's nothing really else to be confident about this team. I mean, special teams was was okay, but we had some issues in covering, um, at least from what I saw in the first half. And I mean, I I don't know if our special teams was any better in the second half. Um, but you know, and then obviously the defense was just horrible throughout the entire game. Um, yeah, I mean, other, than, other than that third quarter. Yeah, they didn't give up any big plays on special teams. So I don't know if that's a significant worry, but I do think the other other thing that we need to point out is, you know, yay, 291 rushing yards, and yay, 400 yards of offense or whatever it was and all this stuff, right? But uh, I believe, as David pointed out, did David not point out in this preview that West Virginia is statistically the worst defensive that we're going to face the rest of the year? Like, oh, yeah. I mean, so I, I think we have to, like, it's not like we're going to come out and do this against Oklahoma or even TCU or uh, probably even Iowa State. I mean, I, I just well, now, I, I, I just hope they can build on it. I, I really hesitate to say, oh, look, hey, they're improving. They're getting better. No, they play a really bad defense. We don't know how they're going to perform against actual Big 12 defenses. Well, part of it, too, though, is that West Virginia actually is a decent run defense team. They're not a very good pass defense team because that secondary is, is almost on pace with ours in terms of how bad that secondary has been. Um, the issue has, you know, really been that they just, they've had an offense that can keep their defense off the field to limit damage, um, and they've just been able to, you know, go, go crazy playing the very poor offenses that they've had to play in terms of Delaware State. Um, and then I'm trying to remember the other team that they just absolutely destroyed. Yeah, East Carolina. Yeah, there we go. Um, but so, I mean, they've kind of been boosted a little bit by quality of who they've played. But that that passing defense has just been absolutely destroyed for West Virginia this year. And we just didn't have an offensive line that could give Bender enough time to really take advantage of it um, consistently. So, you know, I think I was a little bit encouraged by the fact that the offense was able to – run all over them on the ground because that's supposedly the strength of their defense has kept them from being absolutely horrible. It may be telling us more about how good the West Virginia defense is though, as opposed, or I'm sorry, how bad the West Virginia defense is as opposed to how good the running game is for, for Kansas. So hopefully, you know, there'll be some sort of, um, some sort of running game that we can kind of lean on to make the games at least somewhat respectable the rest of the year, but I'm really not counting on it. So, so I think that kind of answers my next question, though. I was going to ask you, does this game change your opinion at all of how the season's going or, or what needs to happen with the football team in terms of who, who's leading it? I mean, we're staring 1-11 straight in the face. So, Yeah, I, mean, I think that, I agree with that. Even if they get another upset somewhere along the line, you know, uh, kind of kind of like in my article about the, the Texas game from last year uh, a week or so ago, like even if they get another upset – uh, you know, if they're a 24, 25-point underdog, that's still an 8 to 10% statistical chance to win a game. So you should win one out of every 10 games, right? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, SEMO, they were favored to win anyway. Um, so, yeah, they, sh- they should, statistically, they should go 2-10 and 10 this year. If they do that, it's not progress. That's just the law of averages catching up to them. So, um, yeah. yeah, then there, there's, yeah, it's, now if they go 3-9, and nine, Maybe, depending on how the losses look, maybe you can call it progress, but we'll just have to kind of, I mean, we'll have to wait and see what happens, but I, I don't, <laughs> I don't anticipate anything better than 1-11, yeah, honestly. And, 
And I think what's even less encouraging is that the two teams that you felt that they probably would have a decent shot of beating, um, Baylor at home, they they went toe to toe with Oklahoma all night long, only lost by eight points in a forty nine to forty one shootout there. And Texas Tech, you know, they they won. They only scored twenty seven points against Houston, but Houston has a pretty good defense. And you know, I was surprised by how well the Texas Tech defense was able to play. Um, yeah. which was kind of our only hope was the fact that their defense was going to essentially lay down and, you know, it was going to give us a chance to potentially pull out an upset in a, in a shootout as well. But the Texas tech team looks like they actually have a decent defense this year, nothing super special, but it doesn't really take something super special to, to, uh, you know, shut down the Jayhawks if the offensive line can't do anything. And if, you know, the offense can never stay on the field. So, yeah. So yeah, unfortunately, I'm just not I'm not very optimistic. It doesn't change my stance. I I do think that you know Zenger needs to go by the end of this year. Uh, I'm not for I'm not realistically thinking it's going to happen. Unfortunately, because of especially with you know the the details finally starting to come out of the uh, raised chant um, you know donor drive that they're leading right now. I'm guessing that's going to be successful enough that everybody's going to say yeah we'll we'll keep him around because he's doing really good with the facilities, which unfortunately really shouldn't be the, you know, the big measuring stick for how you measure an 80s performance. It's obviously important to do a lot of fundraising to be able to keep up with the facilities, but that's that's his job. That's his job. Right. Why why are we praising him for doing this? That's his job. He promised us seven years ago, he was going to fix football. He hasn't done that. Like it's, it's time to go. Any athletic director can raise $300 million for for a division one football team. Like, I don't yeah, know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, yeah, maybe I'm exaggerating, but uh, for a power five football team, let's put it that way, not any division, not Colorado State or somebody, but for any any of the 60 power five schools, any division one athletic director should be able to get that kind of money. Like, that's your job. That's what you're, you're here to do. You keep yourself happy, you get money for facilities, and you build a winning football program. And he's, and if you can't do all three, then I don't have time for you. Find somebody who can. Yeah, and really, I mean, it, it comes down to, yeah, sure. The Really, the only impressive thing about him being able to raise that money is the fact that he's been able to do it with such a consistently poor football program that we've had. You know, and he's been able to keep the spirits up with donors, although I think a lot of that more has to do with just Beatty and the way that he is oh, yeah. able to, to, you know, he's just, his his enthusiasm is infectious. I know it, you, it really is. And if yeah. you've ever, if you, if you, I don't know if you've ever met the man, but it, it really is. I mean, I've only, I've only met him a couple of times, and he doesn't know me from Adam, I'm sure. But uh, I mean, he, <laughs> he's just, he's just the nicest guy, and he's always positive, and he just has this energy about him that you can almost see, and it's, it's really incredible. I mean, he just. He he has that charisma, um, but <laughs> he's not winning football games. <laughs> I don't I don't understand. Right. Yeah, I mean, and he's the kind of guy that you want when stuff like this is going so horribly that you know comes in and and kind of does the rah rah and and gets everybody excited. But he needs to be able to put a staff together that can you know put results on the field so things start to get better because. After a while, obviously that starts to get a little old, and you just you just can't really believe it anymore. I don't think that the majority of the fan base is there yet, but the signs are definitely there, and people are starting to turn slowly. Uh, I think we're kind of on the cutting edge of that over there at Rock Chalk Talk. But uh, oh yeah, but yeah, well, and, and I don't think I don't think David Beatty's the biggest problem with the football program right no, now. No, not. I, I think yeah, you know, at, at 
the most he's the third problem in the football program at the, at the highest. And he may even be farther down than that. So, so, so what would you put there? Obviously Clint Bowen as a defensive coordinator is one. Uh, well, I'd go Zinger Bowen, but uh, you, 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 they're interchangeable. You could go Bowen Zinger. Well, yeah, yeah, true. I mean, it depends on whether you think of, you know, how, how much blame you attribute to Zinger for Bowen still being around, which obviously from what we've heard, you know, that was kind of one of the, requirements for hiring a head coach was that they had to keep Bowen around. Uh, well, the, only so, thing, the only thing you need to know about Zinger is two words. Can you guess what those two words are? I don't know. Go ahead. Charlie Weiss. Well, yes, true. Like case, case closed, like right there. That, that's all you need to know. How does the man who hired Charlie Weiss still have a job? Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So, but I mean, he got the vote of confidence from the chancellor the other night when they released the stadium plans and everything. And so I'm, uh, he's going to be around for a while. I don't think, I don't think we're getting to be the one of them. So, right. Um, unfortunately, I think this is the one time where the vote of confidence doesn't become a kiss of death. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's yeah. funny. It's funny. Cause that's, you know, one of the biggest, one of the biggest cliches in, in all the sports is that if you're, you know, if, if you're in a position of power at a major sports franchise and you get a vote of confidence from the person who decides whether you get to stick around, usually it means you're getting fired. Um, you know, this is not one of those situations where I think that that's actually going to happen when I really think it should. But, yeah. Oh, well. yeah. I, I think they're just going to try to ride the wave of the of, – uh... I keep wanting to say gridiron club, but that's not it. The, you said it raise the chan or whatever. Yeah. Like they're going to want to. They're, they're going to want to ride the wave of that excitement and that potential and that possibility and and see where it takes them. So I, I'm I'm guessing we have at least three more years of Zinger, but yeah, who knows? unfortunately. Well, I will say, hopefully, basketball season comes really quickly because we're going to need it. <laughs> Thirty-seven days away. Probably 46 by the time this is posted. Most likely. All right, let's go ahead and shift gears here. Um, I'm going to actually jump over to the volleyball match. Uh, Kansas opened up conference play with a win at Kansas State. It was a five-set match. Uh, that last set went down to the wire. It was just a really close match the entire time. I know that you had said previously you haven't had a chance to really watch it, um, but you know, I'll just kind of throw a couple things out there to you. Um, it looked like really the, the Jayhawks again came out really, really slow, really sluggish. Um, you know, there was mentioned multiple times on the broadcast just how how off they seemed to be. And the first set, the Jayhawks were able to win because both teams were off. I mean, it was it was errors all over the place. Kansas State was making just as many mistakes as Kansas was, and and Kansas with the better talent was just able to capitalize more on the mistakes that Kansas State made. But that second set, you know, Havili was was overpassing to people. There was actually I counted five different times where the Jayhawk hitter went up to go spike the ball, and they missed, just completely missed, either because they missed time to jump, and so the ball got to them when they were coming down, or the ball was just nowhere near where they were going to be anyway. And so it just it was they were really off. I don't really know what's going on. Um, you know, I, I know that you've talked with uh, Joe Dorsey Hall a few times. Have you gotten any kind of insight at all as to what's going on with this team? I mean, I, it seems like the last, like, three weeks or so, they just haven't really clicked very well. Uh, yeah, and, I, you know, like I said, I haven't seen the K-State match yet. Um, I, hopefully we'll get a chance to watch that sometime in the next couple of days. But uh, uh, on the replay, on Watch ESPN app. But, 
it sounds to me, based on what you described and, and kind of what I've learned from, from Joe Dorsey Hall, that it just sounds to me like they're not communicating out there, that their attacks are mistimed, uh, you know, because they have, uh, you know, they call plays from the sideline. The coach, you know, they have, uh, you know, signs for different plays or whatever, for quick sets and for, you know, regular sets and for, you know, outside attacks and back row attack. You know, there's stuff for everything, right? Uh, and, and it's just got to be that they're just, for whatever reason, maybe they're not, I'm just speculating. Maybe they're not on the same page. Maybe, you know, one player sees it and, and either doesn't know what the sign is or thinks it's something when it's actually something else. And, you know, so who knows who's messing up? I, you know, I don't know. Um, you know, did Havili said it wrong or did the, did the attacker, um, you know, time it wrong? So, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that goes into it and, I'm just a fan. I'm not a volleyball expert by any means. Right, right. Um, yeah, but uh, but yeah, it, it sounds to me, and this is kind of what I thought in their first in their opening series at, at NC State was they just they weren't communicating great. There, there were some you know there were some bump sets that hit the floor, like there wasn't a setter there to I you know, but that was four or five weeks ago now. Uh, and, and those have been ironed out, I hope anyway. Uh, but you know, just, you know, balls needlessly hitting the floor, play, uh, defensive players, not in position, mistimed attacks. It sounds like a communication issue to me, but again, you know, no expert. Uh, right. And, uh, I, I assume that they had a pretty full house there. I assume the atmosphere was pretty intense and pretty loud. Um, and I, and I saw a few tweets, uh, uh, I, I think from maybe the Lawrence Struggle World Beat reporter, um, the new guy, whatever he his name is, I think he was there and uh, you know wrote about how it was a great win over a good team on the road. And I kept looking at it and I'm like, man, K State was eight and six coming into this game. You know they lost to three unranked teams. Like to me, that's that's not a good team. Like yeah, they're still a Big Twelve team. They still have talented players, I'm sure. Um, and they obviously took us to five sets on their home court, but how much was them being a good team and maybe the rivalry playing into it a little bit, you know, um, throw out the record books, that type of deal. Like I, I'll be interested to see how well K-State does in conference play. Cause I'm just not sold that that's actually a good team, but yeah, you know, it's, it's still early. So we'll see, but they're non-conference and they played some tough non-conference teams. They played Wisconsin, they played uh, Creighton, they played a couple other top 10 ish type teams and they got smoked in all of those matches. Well, I think KU went like what three and one against the top ten or something in in the non conference matches, but um, yeah, three and one against the top fifteen. But yeah, 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 yeah. So, I think Purdue uh, was thirteen or something at the time they played them. Okay, yeah, but yeah, um, yeah, but, I mean, yeah. So I'm not sold that that's a good, that that's a great win on an opponent's home court. Like I think that was a mediocre K State team that was playing in a rivalry match that they really wanted to win to jumpstart the Big Twelve season. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's kind of similar to basketball. That anytime you can win, you know, on the road against a a conference opponent, you can consider it to be a good win. Not a great win, but a good win. Um, these you know these these squads are familiar enough with each other, and they play often enough that it's it's hard it's hard to win on the road um, in in Big Twelve play. Granted, you know, I was very concerned just seeing. Every time KU start, got out to a run, K-State seemed to just power back like it was nothing. Um, you know, they, they got up on pretty big leads multiple times, especially in that fifth set. I believe they were up like eight to three early. Uh, yeah. And, and, yeah. Then, and then K-State was back like tying it, tying it at nine. So they just went on a huge run and all of a sudden got right back in it. 
um, you know, there really was no business for K-State coming that close to winning that match. Um, you know, the one thing I will say, apparently the, the power went out in their uh, stadium, like right before the match was supposed to start. Like they didn't get the power back on until it was time for warmups. And so it was really hot for the first couple sets. And that may have caused some additional fatigue issues that, you know, they weren't necessarily used to dealing with. Um, but it's my understanding there's no air conditioning in that building anyway. They play in the old Ahern Fieldhouse. Oh, really? I see. I was under the impression that there was air conditioning. It just it hadn't come back on. Oh, uh, I, 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 I don't think so, but I could be now. wrong. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But but regardless, you know, it was affecting K-State just as much as it was affecting KU. So you, you would have to think that, you know, they they both should have been able to deal with it, obviously. You know, communication broke down. The other thing that's a little bit concerning, and I haven't seen anything to kind of say that that she's not all right, but uh, senior or trans, transfer Taylor Alexander actually it looked like she turned her ankle or something on that last set or the last point of the match, um, which is not a good development. Hopefully, she's all right and she'll be back in action on Wednesday. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of concerning things to come out of the match against K State. But obviously, we got to kind of keep it all in perspective. You know, it's a long season. It's not that surprising that when you go on the road in conference play, sometimes it's not going to, you know, be perfect. So it's it's not time to panic yet, but there's definitely enough signs of concern in the last three weeks, ever since we started that that match against Creighton. You know, I don't know what it is. They just, they haven't seen their usual crisp selves. Um, You know, maybe it's just the fact that they're working in the new players still. And that'll improve as the season goes on, but there's there's definitely a, a little bit of a kernel of worry there that that maybe this you know this season isn't going to turn out as well as we were hoping just because you know it's taken a lot longer for them to kind of iron out these issues than I thought it would. Yeah, and I wonder if there's a little, and I kind of mentioned this last year in some of the articles, but I wonder if there's kind of a you know the you know a, how shall I put it a hashtag KU basketball problems thing going on where. You know, they're the ranked team, they're the, you know, the NCAA tournament team, and, and they're coming to your house, and you're going to get their best shot. And if you're not on your A game, no matter who it is, you know, you might get, you know, they might get you. Right. So, I, you know, I wonder how much that's going into it, too, because, you know, Texas definitely gets that when they go on the road, and, and they get upset every once in a while. That's how KU won the Big 12 last year was Texas got upset at TCU, I think. And TCU was not a great team last year. Right. I, so, I believe it was TCU and Iowa State that beat them. Um, we, well, we beat them in Lawrence. So. Well, right, right. And then we beat them. But I think that was what it was yeah. that, that finally gave it to us, was that Iowa State, I believe, beat them on the last day of the season. So, although at that point, I believe we had already wrapped it up. So, um, yep, we had. But, yeah, so uh, the volleyball team is next in action on Wednesday. Uh, it looks like it's 6.30. It is going to be a home, a home match. Yep, um, home match, Iowa State, ESPN, watch ES, or, yeah, just, I think just watch ESPN. Yeah, ESPN3, Jayhawk Television. So for those of you that live in the area and actually have the right cable network, you can actually watch the match. but. The, the rest or of anybody who doesn't live in the area can watch them. Right, right. <laughs> the, re- the rest of us will have to watch it on ESPN three only if we live outside the area, though. So right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, James. Thanks, Zinger. Appreciate you. Exactly. Hey, that's another <laughs> another thing we can kind of hold against him. So, yeah, I, I know I had said last week that I was going to get get an article together about that. Unfortunately, I kind of didn't have an opportunity to do it. Um, I think 
I, I, you know, I don't think there's going to be enough of a turnaround of the football team this year that we have to worry about not being able to write that article later. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm sure we'll get that up here at some point. It probably won't be till after the football season is over, though. That way we can kind of use the rest of this, uh, you know, this this season as, as, as evidence in that article. So, but rather than end on that, on that note, uh, let's, uh, you know, obviously looking forward to, all that coming up. I, I had actually talked in my uh, last podcast episode about Bill Self's opinion on the transfer rule. Um, did you have any thoughts on that you wanted to share before we get out of here for the night? Or even on that, on that transfer rule itself, you know, obviously for those that haven't heard yet, there's a proposed rule change to allow someone to transfer without sitting out for a redshirt season after transferring um, without having to be like a graduate transfer or anything like that. So as long as you don't, you know, enroll for the semester, you can go and you can play immediately um, for the first transfer you do. Obviously then if you go over a second transfer, you have to sit out that, that full year after that. Um, I mean, I, I talked about how I thought that was actually, you know, a good move for the, for the athletes. And it's not like we're going to, you know, it's, it's, it's not necessarily a good move for Kansas because we could see, you know, someone who's down in the rotation who's probably a really solid bench player for us um, that could be enticed by a lower level or like, like a low major school that can offer them immediate playing time. Um, so ultimately, I don't know that's necessarily going to be a good move for us, but I think for college basketball as a whole, it's probably going to be a good thing. Well, but I mean, here's the flip side of that, though. You've got um... – uh, let's just take well. Let's just take Wichita State. Uh, the kid from Park Hill, Landry Shannon, pretty good. He's going to be a, you know he's going to be a starter. He was, I think he was a starter last year. Had a good season. Everybody's projecting big things for Landry Shannon at Wichita State. You know, like all of a sudden, if this rule passes, it's going to be open season on Landry Shannon. Hey, come to Oklahoma. Hey, come to Missouri. Hey, come to you know come to K State. Uh, you know, and I, I just think that it would be a terrible, terrible thing for these, for these, you know, quote unquote mid major and, and even some of the low majors who have these, you know, late developing kids who blossom into, you know, all conference players all of a sudden. Well, I um, and I, I think that's really going to hurt your parity. It's really going to hurt your, uh, your NCAA tournament excitement type of stuff too, because, you know, it's going to hurt those teams and they're not going to be as good when they get into, into the March Madness. Well, now the one thing that I will say, and I don't know if you actually listened to the episode that I put out last Friday, um, but essentially, you know, and I kind of had some of the same thoughts until I had heard um, CBS dot, uh, CBS sports dot com's the high on college basketball podcast. Uh, you know, they were, they were talking about this and they had talked with some of those coaches from the low or to mid or mid major school and how they actually said that, you know, I think this will be a net positive for us because, you know, that top one or two or three players that they have, those are guys that they have really, really good relationships with them as, as the coaching staff. And so if it comes down to, you know, a guy getting recruited by a higher level school after he's already kind of shown what he can do at the lower major, um, it's going to have one of two outcomes. Either the guy always really wanted to play at that school until he was going to leave anyway, and, and then the coach doesn't want to stand in the way of a guy fulfilling his dream like that. Or he's pretty sure that, you know, nine times out of ten, he's got such a good relationship with that kid that he can convince him to stay. Um, and so, the, you know, where, where he really gets that opportunity is he can find a guy, you know, like nobody wants his, you know, 
fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh best player on his squad. But going the other way, you know, you get like a seventh or eighth best player on a Kansas team or, a, you know, or like a, sure. a, a Duke or North Carolina. Those are the kind of guys that aren't getting the playing time that they probably want. That you could say, hey, look, come here. We can, you know, build our team around you. We can showcase your abilities and give you a good audition to the next level. We can get you, you know, you can help us get in the NCAA tournament and then you can show the world what you can do being the lead guy there. And so there's a lot more opportunity for them, you know, to take advantage of that. And, and be able to bring in the guys that will help their program. So, yeah, you may have a guy from the lower mid-major that will move up occasionally, but I think you're going to have see a lot more going the other way, where you're going to have these, you know, these role players or bench players that are sitting behind you know, an All-American that, are, 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 that don't think they're going to get the opportunity coming back the next year that will decide to go and then get a good opportunity somewhere else. So, ultimately, I, I think it's good – in terms of, you know, for the entire sport of kind of sharing the wealth somewhat, allowing a lot more players to kind of get that they want. Obviously, you've got to be concerned about, um, you know, in, improper conduct in terms of recruiting guys that are like while you're in season or, or tampering with players or things like that. Um, right. But really, and, that, and that's the most difficult part about it, too. Well, right. So really what that tells you, though, is that if, if they're going to do this, they have to step up enforcement capabilities. They have to pay more attention to that and they have to figure out how to apply those fairly in the end and, and equitably. Um, but that's kind of a different conversation than the, should we, you know, should guys be required to sit out a year when they transfer? So there's a lot of, obviously a lot of discussions still to happen on that. It's not like this rule is set to go into effect next year or even the year after that. I think the, the estimate that I heard is it probably would be three or four years before it would even come up for a vote because they have so much more additional research they need to do. Um, but potentially at that point, you know, we could see, we, we, we could see quite a bit there and it'll be a huge discussion point, obviously at that point, because I think you'll see coaches come out on both sides, either, either for or against it. So one last bit of news that happened in this last weekend, um, 2018 big man, David McCormick uh, committed to the Jayhawks, which I, I, I kind of wish that we had fetch on here. Cause I, I'm sure he's probably, watched a lot more than I have, but, uh, you know, another big man for that 2018 team, uh, it looks like we are going to be stacked in the front court. Have you, have you heard anything about David McCormack or anything like that? Or do you have any thoughts about us adding another, uh, another four-star big man to that, to that recruiting class? Yeah. You know, I don't, I honestly don't know anything about him other than what I saw on Twitter. Um, yeah, I haven't, yeah. I, haven't followed, I haven't followed that at all. I'm still, I'm still in football mode, I guess. So. <laughs> well, okay, so, so just a little bit more background. He's the 26th ranked player in the 2018 class. He's the number two ranked center. Um, you know, he actually said, this is according to the, uh, to the KU Sports article, uh, you know, saying that, uh, let me see, he picked KU because of the coaching tradition and then the good vibes he felt during his unofficial visit this summer. So definitely it looks like they're doing a really good job of, bringing in guys so hopefully you know we we don't necessarily have any concern i mean it's it's always good to get a lot of big guys to kind of have that depth there so hopefully we're uh getting to the point now where we've got a good balanced squad for 2018 but obviously we, we still have a 2017 season to play through before we even have to worry about who's going to be on that 2018 squad so all right well any uh final thoughts before we wrap up well, I think you pretty much got it all. 
All right. Sounds good. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you for joining me, Mike. Um, we will be back uh, probably with an episode on Friday that will kind of preview um, the game. Well, I guess we're not previewing the game. We'll, we'll go ahead and preview the bye week. How, how, how's that? Um, <laughs> but, uh, interestingly, bye week opened up as a 14-point favorite over campus. It was only 14. I was expecting 17. So. I know, right? I know. Yeah. But, yeah, so we'll definitely make sure that we uh, get, get the call out for uh, mailbag questions so we have more to talk about. Um, I, I don't know what else we'll actually talk about in terms of previewing action, but we'll find something. So, uh, once again, thanks, thanks for joining us tonight, and uh, we will catch you next time on the Rock Chalk Talk Podcast. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.